I'm glad you guys led us in that reflective and meaningful song because, for one, it helps center us on God's Word, and secondly, it gets the Cheers theme song out of my head. <laughs> so, but oh, it's an appropriate intro into this when it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what worship is all about. And we get to bask in that truth today. And now we get to open his word, which is life-giving and challenging and transforming. So let's go there together today to hear God's word. But first, we've got to do some setup. Now, this week I had some fun because I was, uh, I was online. I was doing a little research. And I wanted to look into some of these, you know, outdated laws that are still, like, active. Have you seen these before? Have you looked into these before? Oh, there's all these weird laws that are still active for one reason or another. I looked up Michigan, a few of these laws, starting locally. Here in Kalamazoo, did you know it is against the law to sing to your girlfriend? Well, consider me guilty. <laughs> that's all I gotta say. I got a gal in Kalamazoo indeed. <laughs> Maybe that's why that song people are sick. Anyway, in Detroit, it is illegal, get this one, to tie an alligator to a fire hydrant. <laughs> so it happened at least once. And you'd think probably more for them to actually make that a law. Then, uh, how about this one? A woman in Michigan is not permitted to cut her own hair without the consent of her spouse. Someone's guilty in here, right? Weird, and then this is the weirdest one I found. This is weird, man. It is against the law to paint a sparrow, you know, the bird, a sparrow with red paint with the intention of selling them as parakeets. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who's doing these things? Signs of the fall everywhere you look. Okay, but then... Those are ones that don't make sense, right? But then there are laws that are still active, but people seem to treat them as optional. You know what I'm talking about, right? First one, let's think about jaywalking. Have you ever jaywalked? Absolutely, we all have. I asked, uh, I, I checked with our local police, uh, you know, public safety officer, uh, Chadwick Dillon. And he says, yeah, we don't really book people for that unless we suspect you of another crime. Then we will add it to the report of things going on. That's not exactly what he said, so don't, like, don't argue that in court. Next one, littering. Littering, right? Now, I know none of you litter here, but there's a lot of litter out there when you go and walk on the streets. But then this one, speeding. Even five miles over the limit. Anybody break the law on their way to church this morning? Absolutely. Wow. Without, without hesitation. Whew. Actual laws, right? Those are some examples that people seem to treat as optional. Well, today in our series, the Ten Commandments, what we've been going through in our series, the Ten, we're in the Fourth Commandment. And my working title is the Fourth Commandment. The optional one? It indeed is the most controversial of the Ten Commandments. You see, the fourth commandment deals with the Sabbath. And Christians far and wide agree with the other nine, but this particular one, ah, no thanks. And what's interesting here, it actually kind of cracks me up. All these other 
Uh, aside from the one we're talking about next week, all the other commandments are don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. This commandment is an invitation to experience godly rest. And we're like, mm, no, I'm good. I want to resist that one. I don't get it. But I do. Because we're fallen creatures. In fact, we spent, if you were around this past summer, we spent three weeks talking about the Sabbath. That was back in July. So we're, we're almost like, it's just outside of six months on the fourth time talking about this. And if you're like me, you probably are like, yeah, I could use a refresher. If you want to go deeper, I do encourage you, go back and listen to those ones. There's instructions that show you in the bulletin how to listen to our past messages. You can find them on Facebook, find them on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Those are July 9, 16, and 23 if you want to go a little bit deeper. Today, it will be a bit of a refresher as well as a little bit different take as well. But go back and listen to those if you want more practical intake onto the how to engage with the Sabbath. Today, we're going to really look at why we need to engage with the Sabbath. I also have several books on this, so if you're interested at all, I'm happy to commend those to you, to even let you borrow one. Hit me up. But for now, we're going to go to the ultimate instruction, God's true word. We're in Exodus 20 today, uh, eight, verses 8 through 11. You're welcome to turn there if you'd like. Exodus 20, verse, starting with verse 8. It will also be on the screen. Let's hear the good news available to us today. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what is the first thing you noticed here when you look at this commandment compared to the other nine? Do you notice something a little different about it? Well, for one, he, God is giving livestock a day off. That's a little different. I think God's a good boss. But even more so, look at the length. Look at the length of this. It is by far the most thorough of the Ten Commandments. If you take the total word count of all Ten Commandments together in the original Hebrew, this one commandment takes up 37% of the words of the Ten Commandments. 37% in one out of ten. That's a big chunk. Not just that, but throughout the Bible, the observance of Sabbath is mentioned more than any of the other Ten Commandments. In the Old Testament alone, it is mentioned over a hundred times. All Ten Commandments, obviously incredibly important, and this one's no exception, and I find it so fascinating. The most detailed, the longest commandment by far, and the one most mentioned is the one also most ignored. There's something within us that just doesn't think this commandment matters a whole lot, if we're being brutally honest. So first, let's talk about what is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath rest that is promised here? 
a beginning definition is that it's a set-apart day of the week for intentional reorienting rest. Within Sabbath, it includes, it's a multifaceted uh, word, and, and, and so Sabbath, the first thing within it is to stop. Shabbat is the Hebrew word for Sabbath. It means literally to cease. We stop our labor and we rest. There are six other days to labor and this here is God's day to rest with him and offer it back to him. There's this idea of delighting within the Sabbath. The idea that the Sabbath is not a burden, it is a gift. Many of us have different experiences with Sabbath. Some of you grew up with the idea of Sabbath as a strong restriction, right? No dancing, no playing cards, no doing anything fun, right, is what it felt like as a child. But built into this is the idea that we are to delight. This is a gift given from God. And of course, because we are delighting in his presence, we are compelled to worship. We worship him on our own, personally, but also together as God's people, the Sabbath. Sabbath was obviously originally deeply embedded in a Jewish cultural context, as well as intertwined in and around Jewish law. Now, the heart of the Sabbath remains intact for Christians today, while a lot of those other things don't necessarily apply anymore to us. But the heart of it applies today. There's an argument on if the Sabbath is still a commandment. I think there's a reason we call it the Ten Commandments, not the, the once Ten Commandments, right? I think there's a, a, a compelling reason that Jesus never refutes the Sabbath practice. And while he practiced it, he also invited others to remember the heart of the Sabbath. He did a course correction in his teachings. Was, there was this Mishnah and all these added regulations that made the Sabbath oppressive. And Jesus taught us again of what it is, and he embraced it, and he never refutes it. He practiced it. He spoke against the legalistic view of it and drew us back into the heart of the Sabbath. And what the heart of the Sabbath for all of us today is that it is to reorient our lives to God through this regular act of trust, of submission, and of delight with God. See, Sabbath is a day, and it sets the rhythm. If you enter into the Sabbath, you don't just live one day differently, you live all seven days differently. Ruth Haley Barton put it this way, Sabbath is first and foremost about the freedom to live our lives on God's terms for us, rather than living in bondage to anyone, anything, or any culture. Take a moment and reflect with me. We live in a free country. We, by all intents and purposes, are free. We know this. And yet, we are also all bondage to something. Reflect on what that thing could be for you. Could it be your work schedule? Could it be your devices? Could it be enter the blank here? What are you bondage to? Because the Sabbath is an invitation to be freed from that bondage and to live life on God's terms. Do you feel that desire in you? Do you feel that longing in you to live that way? 
This commandment here is an invitation to practice Sabbath, which is an act of resistance against the way of the world and our own selfish desires. It is to return to living on God's terms. And yet, for many reasons, we all kind of view this command as an optional one. Let's unpack that. Why do we? Well, frankly, the first reason, I think, is the global Christian church has done a poor job of emphasizing this. In fact, we, a lot of times, we have all been guilty, different churches, of even organizing our church calendar to almost be counter to this, where we fill up the margins with a lot of busyness that might not be allowing our people to enter into Sabbath rest. That's interesting. And maybe we haven't modeled it well throughout the ages. But even more so, what's the second reason? The way of the world is at complete odds with the way of Jesus Christ. We know this. We know how, we feel that tension every single week. Remembering the Sabbath certainly goes against the schedule of our culture. The third is, frankly, it's hard. It is very hard to regularly engage with the Sabbath. Sports. You have kids, yard work, 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 work that comes home with you, work that is always pinging you, emails that are always present to you, our devices that are always on in our own innate desire to be on all the time. And I think perhaps the last reason is because we just don't think there's really any harm when we don't practice the Sabbath. It's easy to look at the other commands and see the harm it causes. Do not steal, do not murder, do not covet, do, do not have any gods before me. We can, we can see that, but let's look at the Sabbath. When we don't practice it, when God calls us to, we're dishonoring God, we're harming ourselves, and we're harming others by not obeying it. Did you hear in this command, says, keep it holy. Keep it holy. And it says the seventh day, it is a day to the Lord your God. It's not our day. When we take it and make it our day, we are stealing the day away from God and his intended purpose for it. Do not steal, that's the eighth commandment, and do not and make, have no gods before me. We can idolize things when we're not engaging with this practice. And this, I know this is heavy. We're gonna, there is good news. Sometimes you've got to go down to come up, okay? It's all right. Bear with me. Trust in the good news that is coming and is present here and now. But feel this hard truth as well. If we cannot make God first for one day, how are we going to keep giving him our entire lives. How are we going to keep him first in our lives? The commandment is very explicit in that it is all-encompassing for us. It goes into strict detail on who is to practice this. Our family and every living person and creature under our care. So when we do not engage with the Sabbath, we're not just harming ourselves and ridding ourselves of this gift, we are harming our families as well. And then the command ends with a reminder that this rhythm of work and rest 
was not an add-on God thought of later. That's not really how God works or who he is. This is a rhythm that is woven into the very fabric of all of creation. When we don't practice the Sabbath, we are out of rhythm with how God created us to live. See, I think you're like me. You've tried to go at your own. You've tried to live life on your own terms, and you've come very quickly to realize that can only get you so far. I don't want to live life on my own terms. I have seen what that does and the pain and damage that comes as an extent from it. I want to reorient my life to live on God's terms as he created us to live. Look at the creation account that this, that this command cites in Genesis 2, second chapter of all of scripture. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Rest is woven in to the fabric of creation. This rhythm of rest and work and rest and work is pre-fall, created and modeled by God himself, which means both work and rest are innately good. And we see this. We don't, we don't have to just read this. We can see this alive and active in this glorious earth that God has created. We see it in the seasons. We see it in the day and night cycle. We see it in plants and trees. We see there is need for dormancy and then growth. We know it to be true as well in our own lives. And if that all isn't enough, God, God's self, rested think you're too busy to rest, but God rested. Unlike us, he did not need to. He chose to because it is good. He chose to because it's the rhythm of creation. And when we live and operate as if we don't need this, we start to do what sin does, which is believe ourselves better than God. But God rested and invites us to rest as well. Now, in this account, God blesses Three things. The first thing he blesses are the animals. So, hey, you got a cat or dog or hamster? Guess what? God loves your animal. He blessed them. He blesses humans. And the third thing is the Sabbath. He blesses the Sabbath. He blessed the seventh day. He made it holy. Also of note, this is the first time in Scripture something is called holy. It's the Sabbath. I find that to be rather encouraging. Back in the day, you used to have to travel to the temple or try and go on this pilgrimage to encounter the divine. If you're seeking the holy, you're seeking the divine. It is not found in space. It is found in God. It is found in time. You want to experience the holy? Simply slow down enough to recognize God is present and God is here. So from just the second chapter in all of Scripture, we learn the Sabbath is created and established by God our Creator. It's woven into the fabric of creation. It is blessed by God. It is deemed holy by God. And he himself rested, though he need not to. God, who never grows weary or faint, 
chose to model this for us because it is very good. Another fun fact, humanity's very first day in all of creation was a day of rest in the presence of God. It is our starting point. He sets the pattern in motion. We begin by being in rest with God. We labor six days and we rest for one. It has been established and modeled by God Almighty ever since before the fall. And the rest is not just our beginning, it is also our end goal. Because Sabbath is a slice of heaven this side of eternity. Hebrews 4 reveals this to us. It says, On that glorious day, when we join God in the fullness of his presence in heaven, we begin what it says, our eternal rest. Hmm. Heaven is to experience the fullness of the Sabbath which is the uninterrupted, completely at peace, worshipful presence with our loving Savior forever and always. I don't care who you are. That is the very deepest longing of our soul. All of creation cries out to be with the Creator. And you can experience a taste of that this side of heaven by living out this fourth commandment. That, my friends, is a gift, a beautiful gift from the treasure trove of God. So when we tap into this rhythm of six days of labor, one of rest, we join that tempo with all of creation. We experience peace. We experience joy, love. It it, it ushers us into a better place for health and to experience life as he created. But when we fight it, It's like that band where the tempos don't align. Again, not our band. Great job, band. Way to stay on tempo. You guys rock. But it's like when those tempos do not align, you know there's something wrong. You cannot ignore it forever. You cannot suppress it. We know it's wrong. We will get worn out, stressed out, burned out. We will miss out on the very first gift given to us, which is this purposeful, meaningful, and restorative rest. Augustine put it so well about this desire within us. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. Friends, it's hard to hear this because it's difficult in this day and age. But I hope what you're starting to hear is that this command is not a restriction. It's an invitation. It's an invitation an invitation that draws us into the very presence of Jesus. Jesus, who himself gives us the great invitation in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Are you weary and burdened today? Are you weary and burdened every day? Yes, then seek Jesus Christ. See, the Sabbath rest is not an invitation into slothful laziness. It's an invitation. It is is instead a rest that yokes us to Jesus 
who promises to meet us and carry us with his humble and gentle heart. Sabbath rest is not merely rest that restores. It is a rest that reorients us to a life as God intended. It is a life that enables us then to better live out the greatest commandment. Jesus Christ, as you know, he taught what the greatest commandment was. He was asked what it was, and this was his answer in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the laws and prophets. These commandments here is a summary of the Ten Commandments. Do you see that? It's a summary statement. Love God with absolutely everything and love your neighbor. Any middle children here? Anyone in the middle of the mix? Anybody? I love you middle children who are like, yeah. Is anyone proud to be a middle child? Come on, be proud of who you are. All right, there it is. Middle children, right? I mean, you kind of get forgotten about, don't you? Yeah, I mean, the youngest at least is like the baby, right? And the oldest is where you work out how to parent. And you're in the middle, and you're kind of like that bridge between the two, right? You're kind of forgotten about sometimes. You're the bridge between the older and the younger children. Well, here's the cool thing with these commandments. The first three commandments are all about how we relate to God and our relationship to God. That's the first three commandments. The last six commandments are how about our relationship with our neighbor, with those in community with us. And the fourth right here, kind of in the middle of the stream, with the Sabbath commandment, it is the bridge that connects the two. It speaks of both God and neighbor within the commandment, and it acts as the connection between those first three commandments and the last six. This great command, it's a great command, and Jesus' great invitation reorients us to the way of Jesus Christ so that we might then fulfill his great commission that he gives all of us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've taught you. And remember, he is with us to the very end of the age. We can accomplish that when we rest in Christ, when we live into his great commandments. We then can bear witness to a broken world that there's a better way, and that way is Jesus Christ. The way of Jesus is at complete odds with the way of the world. But we, my friends, need to remember our citizenship does not lie here. This place is temporary. We have a heavenly citizenship. And when we live according to the kingdom way, the Jesus way, then those in this world see a glimpse of heaven break through the darkness and will have a longing within them, the same longing for Jesus, to bubble up within them. And they may say, why do you live differently? And you can say, because Jesus is the better way. I said it last week. You'll hear it again, too. Our response to the Ten Commandments is to embrace the lifestyle of Jesus. Now, we will never be perfect like Jesus. 
But praise God, for he is the perfect one, and his grace is sufficient, and he is made strong in our weakness. When we rely on him, he fills the gaps, and he shines through. Our response is to embrace the lifestyle of Jesus. And if that's our response, we would take this command of the Sabbath as seriously as we take all the other commands. Because true practice of the Sabbath, I dare say, I propose, this is not like, like backed by any research, but my own life as I'm trying to figure this out along with you, I think the Sabbath just might be that keystone habit that really leads us to reorient our lives, to have that spiritual formation and deepening that we all long for but just can't quite get to. What if it is engaging with the Sabbath? What if we figured that out, the rest starts to fall into place as our entire lives falls into its rightful order? See, spiritual formation is not a separate thing. It is full life transformation. And our days and our time are the most precious commodity we have. Will we give it back to God? Are we willing to reorder our lives around God instead of this world? Are we willing to reorder it around the things of eternity instead of the things that will fade away? Friends, let's change the script. Let's do the hard work of taking God and his word seriously. Let's reorient our lives around God, and we can begin by engaging with the Sabbath. You've heard it a few times now that Sabbath is reorientation. Reorientation. You could also say recalibration. That's part of what I love about our Sunday mornings together is we are recalibrated again to true north. When we get away from this practice of weekly worship, we slowly start to drift. We slowly start to drift. If we are not daily opening his word and sitting in his presence in prayer, we slowly start to drift. We slowly start to drift. If we are not giving back to God and being present with him and letting go, we will slowly start to drift. And we will look and wonder how we got here. Let us reorient again to the Jesus way. Let us recalibrate again to the Jesus way. And Sabbath is one means we can do that. As with all things with our faith walk, what does it require? It requires sacrifice sacrifice. We have to sacrifice and say no to good things, to say yes to the great things. We have to surrender, to lay these things down, to let go of our grip, to let go of our control, to leave things a little messier than we want, to leave things unfinished when we want to finish it, to acknowledge we're not all-powerful. And we need to submit for we have a good king who is far more capable than any of us. And beyond that, submission, this word submit, it carries a lot of baggage for us. We don't like this idea of submitting. We think of like a wrestler having to tap out, right? You get that idea? Anyone? I watched wrestling, WCW back in fourth grade, and I always looked down on the people that I had to submit. But that's not from the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, submission is the way of our Savior who laid down his life so that we might live. He washed our feet and makes us clean. He came not to be served, 
but to serve. He lays everything down for us. Will we lay down our schedule for him? It means in all ways we give him our life and live fully dependent on him. Sacrifice, surrender, submission. We can do all of these things because of who our God is. We can trust in him completely. We can trust that God will provide. We can trust that when we stop our work, that things will be okay. We can trust eventually the dishes will get done. We can trust eventually the work will finish. Eventually we can trust, too, God of the harvest will produce bountiful fruit in you every time you choose him over everything else. Learning to depend on Christ is an every single day decision. And the Sabbath helps us in a reorienting to do so. You want to cease the onslaught of our over-busy and exhausted world, then receive this gift that is present right here in the Ten Commandments and find the rest of Jesus that your soul craves. So my takeaway for you is to commit to figuring this out. I don't expect you to have all the answers or know how to do this, but I trust the one who knows how it will all work for you. So lean on him, depend on him, surrender to him, trust in him, and get to work. Talk to who you need to talk to to make this a practice. Look at your schedule and schedule it and protect it as if it's the most important part of your week because it is. Pick up a book, and I have many. I meant to bring them up here, but I don't. I'll pull them out after message and start to study and learn how to live into this. Because this is a great gift, an unutilized gift from our great Savior. To end, I want to close with this quote. It's a a lengthy and fruitful quote from pastor writer uh, Kevin D. Young. And this is, kind of for us how we're going to end. So receive these words now. Resting can be hard work. Whether we're talking about one day in seven or depending on Christ every day of our lives, that is why we must strive to enter God's appointed rest. We have to fight the fight of faith. We have to depend on God instead of our own planning and hard work. Sabbath rest is about making Jesus Christ the center of who we are. It means ceasing to find approval in others, stopping the foolish quest for our own righteousness, and trusting that true health, strength, vitality, and freedom can be found only when we cease from our labors and rest in Christ. Now, some of us are running like crazy thinking, oh God, why don't you give me some kind of break? And he says, I made this day for you, not to punish you, or to keep you in bondage, but to give you the freedom you so desperately need. Some of you are desperately seeking the rest that you have not found in Christ. Or you found it, but you frequently forget it, and you never stop working, cleaning, planning, plotting, fretting, fussing, worrying, and trying to prove yourself to your parents, your spouse, your kids, or even the church. You've never really appropriated what it means to have grace. There is always something else you need to do to show the world 
that you're valuable, loved, and okay. But friends, you don't have to earn anything. You don't have to prove anything. The world does not depend on you. Your salvation does not depend on you. Even in an ultimate sense, your family does not even depend on you. Can you hear the sweet voice of Jesus say, Come to me, and I will give you rest? Take him at his word. Believe him. Trust him. Abide in him. Run to him. And then, every resurrection day, give expression to what you believe by giving him praise. That's our prayer. Friends, let's remember the Sabbath. Let's keep it holy. Let's begin to slow down and reorient our lives to the way of Jesus. Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you are the greatest gift we have ever received, will ever receive, and we thank you for this time where we can abide in you. We thank you for this worship where we can put you in your rightful place and remember ours and remember the grace that is present to us here and now in this world. God, we really struggle with this. You know that. It's no surprise to you. When your invitation comes out, you long to be a deep part of our lives. So God, in your spirit now, will you please encourage us? Will you please teach us to abide in you? Will you please build up in us a desire that we cannot quench to rest with you? Lord, we can so quickly get stuck on all the hows. And boy, there are so many hows in this, God, that it truly seems impossible. But we know you wouldn't give us this command if you wouldn't promise to be present with us and help us figure it out. So we ask for that now, God. We surrender our way. We submit to your goodness. And we trust in you. For you are so dependable. We rely on you to sustain our every breath. And we rely on you to help us here and now rest in your presence. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your unending love. Thank you for your forgiveness, your mercy, and your grace. May you be praised and honored this day and in our lives as we go to live as your children and to show this world there's a better way the name of your powerful name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Stand, let's sing.